For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's time for the Say Hey Podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. Available on your podcast platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. It is episode 41 of the Say Hey Podcast. This is Doug Hayes, a.k.a. Say Hey Doug. It is July 3rd, 2021. Let's bring in my co-host, Say Hey Rob. Rob, happy Saturday morning, man. How you doing? Happy Saturday morning, indeed. Doing pretty good. Uh, nice to see our boys finally get a win last night to uh, kick off with is hopefully a fun uh, 4th of July weekend. So things are looking up again after a couple of tough, tough days. Yeah, the Giants had lost four straight for the first time all season uh, before getting the win last night. And um, before we bring in our guests, I just want to get your thought real quick. Uh, Tyro Estrada made his debut last night, and man, he made a debut. Three for five, had the grand slam in the ninth. Um, he was fantastic. Got to start at second base. Robert, read your thoughts on Tyro Estrada's first Giant start last night. Hey, we shouldn't be surprised, right? You know, Farhan bring, brings in a new guy and they immediately makes an impact. That's kind of been the theme, you know, since he's came to San Francisco. And yeah, you know, um, I think we were all kind of excited about his glove more than anything else. You know, he's upgraded defensively over basically everybody in the, in, in the infield besides Crawford. But yeah, you know, sure as hell, he comes out and has a five RBIs last night, had, hits a grand slam there in, in the ninth. And yeah, you can't help but be a, uh, feeling optimistic about, about him now and and the the Giants needed that the Giants needed a, a boost you know after those those rough few days and you know and of course it's the guy making his a uh, you know team debut so he can stay Tyra Strada you are you're in for right now buddy absolutely and and talking about you know we've been all over the young guys this season the prospects and so we're really excited. We are joined today by Kevin Cunningham from GiantFutures.com. Kevin covers Giants prospects and runs a fantastic website. Go check it out. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at GiantFutures. We had Kevin on before the season started. Kevin, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Lovely, lovely. That's yeah, we're, like we're excited. Hear. It's been a heck of a season. It sure has. And I think, uh, you know, it's funny because we had you back in March um, before the season started. And obviously we're coming off a season where um, a lot of these prospects had little to no real game action last year because uh, of the whole COVID situation. But now we have like two months under our belt, actually three months under our belt. I'm sorry. Uh, just about of, of these uh, minor leagues getting going again. So 
we wanted to get you back on and kind of see where we are currently because now we have you know an actual assessment uh stage in the season where we can you know see the see how these guys are doing and talk about them so um we're gonna jump right into our questions i'm super excited to talk giants prospects with you so um my first question kind of under the radar guy this season armani smith had a really strong start in san jose and was moved up to high a eugene re- uh, recently is he a possible trade asset or someone the giants could make future plans with um for the future within the organization well, you aren't wrong about him being under the radar, but uh, both myself and Roger Munter had called him as the dark horse guy in San Jose, and uh, I'm not not too ashamed to pre- uh, toot my horn on that. He has been <laughs> absolutely fantastic, outshining a, a great prospect team there. Um, but the Giants have a lot of young outfielders, and they just seem to keep finding them. I mean, Carter Williams, an undrafted free agent, has just come up to San Jose. He's doing good right now as well. So it's really hard to say. I mean, there's no one really safe in that outfield outside of the guy named Elliot. So he could be a trade asset. But if I were going to guess, I really think the Giants want to see what they can do with him. They've got a lot more power and he's got a big body. And you got to look at him and say, there's more power in there than the eight home runs he's gotten so far this year. Four in San Jose, four at Eugene. And Zaidi's made some comments about wanting to search out local players. Well, Armani Smith, he came from UC Santa Barbara, but he went to high school at De La Salle. He was actually yeah. briefly a teammate with Kyle Harrison, who's, of course, our, really our top pick from the 2020 draft. And I, I think between those factors, I think they're going to be a little shy on trading him at this point. But, you know, at this point, World Series contention trumps everything. So he's, he's probably not a likely trade asset, but he'll be on that list. They'll listen to calls. Absolutely. want to see a little more. It's, it hasn't been enough. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to keep continuing to follow Armani Smith. And great name, by the way. Oh, yeah. Real sharp. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a first class name right there. All right, Kevin, uh, Seth Corey, uh, you know, he's, he's had some struggles lately in, in Eugene, especially throwing strikes. Do you have any concerns regarding his progress or is this just a small hiccup? And what's his or is his ETA the the uh, same for you? Uh, lots of concerns. Uh, ah. His fastball control is lacking, and that's the kind of control that you can't hide. You can't switch him to relief, and you know he becomes effectively wild in that moment. Oh, the good news is is that uh, after taking a look at Corey, where that fastball control really seems to be is it's a release point problem. He's either yanking his pitches, it's going down and in on right-handers, or he's letting go too early and it's staying up high. And with his sort of a pitching motion, that release point is everything. Uh, Madison Bumgarner always had it. Corey, he needs to find it. The good news is you want to think that that's something that could be coached, but we're halfway right. into the season and you know, he's had his ups and downs. And obviously Corey's been around for a while. He's not raw. So... I mean, there are some real concerns there. Uh, he's got 42 walks and 41 and one-third innings so far this season. That's not a good number. Uh, in the most optimistic of worlds, I could see him coming up in 2024. But realistically, I think you're looking at uh, him, if he's going to get up there, he's going to be 2025 or later. Okay, wow. That's still ways away. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Doug, Doug and I were 
talking just uh, before we got on, and it's it's weird how you get all these news and highlights of all the outfielders, and you're like, well, what what the hell's going on with these pitchers? And yeah, you start you start to get get concerned, and yeah, I mean that's yeah that's kind of kind of what I was uh what I was fearing right there. I had had been hearing he wasn't throwing strikes, and yeah, you know that's a like like you said, he's been around a minute now. Like you, they didn't. They didn't just, just just draft him, you know, so that's concerning for sure. You know, you hope that the 2020 layoff was one of the things that affected him because he looked like he had things figured out in 2019, and then he got a year away. He wasn't included in the summer camp. He wasn't included. Right. Uh, he, he was in uh, the instructs, but he basically had a year away from baseball, and it cost him his momentum. Maybe that was something that led to it. I mean, he's always going to be one of those guys that will probably be high maintenance as a pitcher. He'll need coaches staying on him to keep doing his thing. So we've seen pitchers like that. Jonathan Sanchez was that pitcher. And when he had coaches who stayed on him, like Dave Rigetti, he was a no-hitter. When he lost it after he went somewhere else because he wanted to get kind of more relaxed, well, his career got more relaxed too. Yeah, good comparison. Yeah, the electric stuff can only go so far uh, if you have no control over it. And that's a great uh, comp with Johnson. Jonathan Sanchez. Rob and I used to love watching um, Sanchez because he could he's either going to blow you away with the stuff or it's going to be a really long night because he can't locate anything. <laughs> so, uh, good cop there. Um, speaking of top giant uh, prospect arms, um, here's a short one. Uh, give us an update on Sean Jelly and his injury. Ooh, um, this one kind of hurts. Uh, I don't really have an official update. The Giants, as a policy – are just not talking about injuries. You know, Hunter Bishop is another one where try to get some right. info and there's just not much out there. Um, if you look at what happened, he got injured on June 17th in the first inning. When you watch the injury, it doesn't look that serious. He basically goes for a pitch. You see his plant leg kind of shift and rotate a little to the left. It's not the kind of snap that makes you think, oh my God, he just snapped an ACL or Achilles. And he just kind of doubled over. He didn't ever go to the ground but he still needed to be helped off. What that says to me looking at it is it's not, a, it's not structural. And the good news is, is that I've heard reports that he has been with the team. He's not doing workouts or anything like that, but he's still up there, which means likely no structural issues. It's one of the two S's. It's either a strain or a sprain. And whether that's something on his knee, maybe it's a sprained ankle, maybe it's something with his back or his oblique, that one's harder to suss out. We have no official information. Anything I say is going to be uh, speculation. But if he's with the team, that means he probably didn't have anything that caused surgery. And so they're just waiting to see until he's feeling better, start doing workouts and coming back. The bad news is he's not doing workouts yet. So I wouldn't expect him back until August at the earliest. And that's a very open-ended August at the earliest could be a lot longer. And that really stinks because like we just have been discussing, you know, they didn't have a season last year and then he, you know, he gets a month and a half, two months into the season uh, and then could possibly be out for uh, a significant amount of time. So that's unfortunate because um, I know when we had you on last time, I believe you were mentioning that Sean Jelly could be a guy that could uh, make an impact on major league level as early as possibly next year, right? Yeah, that was what I was hoping for. Um, but, you know, there, there's that old saying in the prospect world, tin step. There is no such thing as a pitching prospect. 
because there's <laughs> always so many possible injuries that can happen. The good news is this isn't one of those that you really worry about too much. Obviously, it's not a shoulder or an arm issue. Sure. Those would be the things I'd really be worried about. Um, Giants are going to be really careful with him because if it is something like a back issue, we actually heard this in the game last night. If you're watching the Diamondbacks game uh, on Friday, when they took out the Diamondbacks pitcher, you know, uh, Kruko was saying you don't want someone to come out if they're a little uncomfortable in their lower body because then they're going to make adjustments in their upper body and that's what causes more serious injuries. And that's probably where the hesitancy to do this with a guy like uh, Jelly, especially with how big he is, all the yeah, not a small guy. want to be careful. Absolutely. Kevin, oh, what's your overall uh, take on Ricardo Genevez? Uh, I feel like he gets a bit overlooked uh, with Joey Bart and Patrick Bailey in, in the system. What do you think about that? Um, well, I'll tell you what, Patrick Bailey is about to be the one that gets overlooked. Um, Genovez has been the biggest riser in the system. He had a fantastic, absolutely fantastic debut in San Jose, uh, batting mm-hmm. 338. Slugging 551, 11 doubles, six home runs. But you know what I love to see about this guy? 29 strikeouts to 22 walks. And that's over, um, you know, in San Jose, that's, uh, I didn't even get the number here, like 34, 35 games. That's fantastic numbers for a young hitter. And it just says that it's only going to get better. The only thing you worry about with him is, is this a one season wonder? Uh, Genovas has been around for four seasons. It's hard for to a while, imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and he, or in, this is his fifth season. And he's always been hitting around 250 in his previous seasons. Now, he's a young guy that's just coming into his body. And if you ever see this guy, this guy is a Hulk. Like, mm-hmm. this is the guy that you want backing you up when there's a Donnybrook on the field. Because there ain't <laughs> no one that's knocking him down. Um, I mean, and he is absolutely fantastic on the field he's still very athletic so you hope that's going to be things he's got uh, better plate discipline this year has obviously been a big difference and he's always had strong uh, batting average and play numbers so this doesn't look like it's a luck thing either you want to see it consistent you want to see it continue he's had a solid start up in eugene uh, five games he's got five walks two strikeouts he's batting 250 right now but I mean you know small sample size with five games yeah we just want to see it continue and be consistent but you know um, I haven't talked much about because I don't like doing mid-season prospect rankings but some of the other guys in the on Twitter who are like Roger Munter uh, Giants perspective GPT you know they've been talking about there's not really a way you can keep Genovas out of the top 10 prospects on the Giants right now he's wow. had that sort of an impressive start to the season yeah, it was it was funny because the first game me and Doug went to th- this year, San Jose game, he's in the lineup in third, and I'm like, dude, I swear to God, this guy has been on, been on the team for like three years now, and yeah, and here we are, you know, about a month and a half later, yeah, and he's yeah, he, like you said, you know, he's sitting you know three thirty eight and just killing the ball, and you know, got got moved up already, so it's yeah, that's really good to see for him. I'm, some perseverance right there, definitely, in one way or another. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing with uh, the guys who are coming out of the uh, international market. You know, you got to remember, these guys get signed at 16. So they really have a lot of growing they still need to do. Not just like mental growing and growing in the game. I'm talking about like just physical growing. When he started, he was a skinny little kid. And right now he looks like he's one of the Avengers. 
So, um, you know, you see these guys go through these physical changes and that really affects how they play. So it's not unusual to see a guy like this take four years to grow into himself and start becoming the hitter he does. It just means he's got a little shorter timeline to get to the majors before you start talking like rule five protections and, you know, counting down that option clock and all that. Good stuff. I, I, I got a lot more out of Ricardo Genovese right there than I thought I would. That's good stuff, Kevin. Um, yeah, Alex Canario, he's having a really solid season and is really displaying his power in San Jose. Is he currently the giant prospect that could be garnering the most attention? If not, who will attract teams that are sellers the most at the deadline? Oh, trade talk. Uh, Canario, first of all, <laughs> Canario is having – a solid season. Like you can't really say it's great. It's certainly not bad. I mean, that 220 batting average is not what you want to see. The power has been showing up. He's been showing his athleticism. Um, yeah, what's really nice is that you're seeing the walks come up. He's got 12 stolen bases, so he's shown a, a bit of that versatility. The question is, you know, how much of this is a California league, which has always been an offensive league, uh, kind of mirage? Admittingly, it's not as offensive as it is now that Lancaster and Bakersfield are out of it. Um, And that's really a tough guess at this moment. Right now, Canario has his worst ever batting average with balls in play at 279. He's usually right around 300. Um, And his strikeouts aren't really getting that much better. His strikeout percentage uh, per plate appearance it was 30%, uh, 30.1% in 2019, which was awful. And it's only at 27.8% right now. So he's brought down a little, but not nearly enough for what you want to see. His walk percentage has gone up. That helps. Are other teams going to look at Canario and say, this is the guy we want to trade for? Is this kind of the star prospect? Right now, I personally would not think so. He and I think the Giants would look at him and say, we're selling a little low if we trade him right now. Now, I think Canario is great trade bait in general, just because the Giants do have, as I mentioned before, so many outfielders. Um, And there's no one safe, so there may be teams looking and we love that power that they really saw in 2019 as well. Um, But he'd be a little low on that list at the moment if you were going to ask me today. And the Giants trade bait list has taken a big hit because there was one guy who I thought was ideal. He checked every box. He had the high potential. He had the high risk. And he would help the team uh, if he got traded in a couple different ways. And then Gregory Santos got suspended. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes. Yes. Gregory Santos checked every trade box. Um, The Giants had to put him on the 40-man roster to protect him this year, so obviously there was interest in him. Mm -hmm. He was struggling because he got pushed up so high, so as a reason for his struggles, the teams would say, okay, we still want to take that risk on him. Trading him would have freed up a 40-man roster spot, which is hugely important that probably not anxiety thought would be a big deal in what was supposed to be a rebuilding season and is suddenly a league-leading World Series contention season. Um, so trading him would have been really ideal, but you can't trade him while he's suspended. Uh, that probably means that Kervin Castro, uh, Camila Duvall, they're on that list. And I'm not wild about trading either of those guys, but I would not be surprised to see either of them go. Uh, Duvall's got a great, he's got a great deceptive pitch that if he ever gets control of it, big if, I mean, you see him as a back end reliever. Uh, Kervin Castro has been a 
he is a bulldog on the mound. He also looks like a bulldog. I mean, he, <laughs> he, it, it, when you see pictures of him, he really does. He does. He's, and he's got that mentality. He's just fast to the mound. And he has really shown improvement. He is the guy that had the least experience out of those three that got uh, put on the 40-man roster and got moved up to Sacramento. And he's been nothing but improving after a rough start in Sacramento. So both of those guys, I could see that on the list, but relief pitchers generally aren't going to be centerpieces. Otherwise, you're talking outfielders. Like I said, everyone could be on that list, not named Elliot. And I'm going to include Luis Matos on that list. And people are going to cry out when I say that. Um, will they consider that? Yes, but I mean, that's going to be to get Luis Matos, Giants would get, have to get someone back who's got multiple years of control left. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah, Matos is, if he's not on Baseball America's Top 100, he should be soon. He's a fantastic young prospect, and he looks like a good long-term center field prospect. Um, Jairo Pomeras, he got a late start on the season in San Jose. He's having a great year. But you also look at what the Giants have done. Like, Braden Bishop is looking like, is he this year's Mike Yastrzemski? Hit machine. He really mm -hmm. is. I mean, like, he looks like he was the ultimate needed to change a scenery. And frankly, when you're a Mariners prospect, everyone needs to change a scenery. I <laughs> <Gotta> get out. <laughs> so, I mean, he's really looking great. Obviously, his brother is a top prospect on the team. By the way, Hunter is the only other guy that's not really on the list of outfielders. Again, because of injury, it's not that yeah. they can't trade him at this point. It's that it would be the ultimate trade low, and there's no way they're going to do that. Um, 100% agree with that. Yeah, but almost every other outfielder on the list, and including Smith, including Canario, they all could be on that trade list. Outside of that, maybe some of the catching depth. Would they trade Hanoves? Maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, I, you're not going to trade Bailey. You're not going to trade Bart. Um, the other thing are the infielders. And there's a guy who I'm going to actually answer in a couple of questions that I'm going to put on this list to keep your eyes or ears open for. So we'll come back to that in a bit. Okay. 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 Kevin, uh, is, do you think Jalen Davis is completely tapped out at the minor league level, or do you feel like he still needs more time before he's in a real mainstay with the uh, big club? You know, uh, God, Davis is such a confusing guy. And there's. Yeah, that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, there's such a big risk of him being that prototypical 4A player. Uh, you know, absolutely blows the ball away in AAA and just can't really get his footing in the major leagues. He's got the strikeouts that are always that problem. And when you reach major league pitching, if you can't lay off those curveballs, if you can't hit them, you're going to have some problems. Uh, but obviously, he went back down to Sacramento coming off his uh, rehab, air quotes, rehab. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was just tearing the cover off the ball. He had two grand slams and in a very short amount of time. But he's not taking walks at the major league level. Um, you know, I don't know if there's much more for him to learn at AAA. And unfortunately, the Giants really aren't the major league team for him to be learning at at the moment. If this was the team that I think a lot of us expected in 2019, absolutely. This is the kind of guy you want to give a chance because really that's who Yastrzemski was. Um, and Yastrzemski needs some time to adjust at the major league level before he really kind of sat it down. Remember, he was almost on his way out until an injury uh, mm -hmm. kind of saved him. And that's when he went on his terror and became an all-star and all that. So, 
you know, we're going to have to see. And Davis would be on that list. He would not be a star prospect of trades, but he would be a possible throw-in because people are going to love that power. Yeah, and I think – Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, I I think it's it's possible, like – He's been he's been with the club now for what three years since the since the uh, since I traded with with uh, the that was the Sam Dyson trade right yeah I th- yeah but yeah where, where they got MBS I mean it's been three years so I mean it, and it's possible that yeah it, he could be a change of scenery guy too if it doesn't work out here because a team I could see I, I see a team like the Reds you know w- w- one of those you know teams that play in a hitter's ballpark and oh yeah well we love that power bring him bring him in I mean that's what that's what happened with uh, Adam Duvall. So it's, yeah, like I'm pulling for the guy. I really am because, you know, you, you hate seeing those 4A players get stuck. You know, that's me and Doug call them 4A guys who are just like, okay, what's he doing down there? Like there's nothing, there's nothing for him there. And, but yeah, if, like you said, if you, if you can't, you know, lay off the, you know, those curveballs and if you can't hit them, then, you know, you're not going to last in the big. So rooting for him. Yeah, and you know the the 2020 stuff with him was still something I find very confusing. Like a lot of teams will really telegraph what they think about the player, and with Jalen Davis, you heard nothing but great stuff in the actual spring training over the pandemic. Once baseball started coming back, you had the summer camp. You heard all sorts of great stuff. They wanted him on the team. They were loving his potential. They loved that power. Season starts, he's there with the team debuting in Los Angeles. And what was it? Five games in, he gets sent down to summer camp because he's struggling, yeah. and there's not a peep. And the and thing nothing. about summer camp was there was essentially a media blackout. Media couldn't go there. So the only news coming out was coming out by the Giants' own mouths. And they stopped talking about him. Now, whether that was troubles that he was going through or something else – I mean, there's a big question mark there. It's always it's going to be one of my biggest mysteries of what happened in 2020 for the Giants. There's this one little voice. I'm going to be really controversial here. I'm going to apologize for this, uh, but I'm still going to say it. He was the only black guy on the Giants in the season of 2020. Uh, I didn't think about that. And, I mean, I hate to think that the Giants – as on, on the operational side, you know, Larry Bear would do this crap, but <laughs> I would hate to think that the Giants on the operational side would have let Jalen Davis be a token player when they came back and they made that stand or not the stand, the kneel at the national yeah, yeah. in yep, the yep. opening day. Um, and it, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement is important and I fully believe in it. Uh, sorry, if you're a Twitter follower of mine and you don't agree with me, you can write <laughs> off. Um, I follow you, man. You know, and it's it was really important that the Giants made a stand and made a statement. But I would hate if they used Jalen Davis in that way. Um, you're yeah, right. I understand. What you're I saying. hope that's not yeah. it. I really hope that's not it. But that's always been in the back of my mind. He's a good player. He's got real power, and he can field in the outfield. If you can't make contact. It doesn't really work as a player, though. The good news is is we're getting to a point where the Giants, you don't have to worry about the token stuff anymore because Lamonte Wade is better than just his mustache. And He's um, been fantastic. Yeah. He's really thank, been a great pickup. And God. It, it's going to be something like, there's no way the Twins are trading with us at the trade deadline. 
Like yeah, Rob, you should Barrios trade away. Oh yeah, yeah, ahead. right, right, yeah. They, they ain't doing, <laughs> they ain't really doing that, but right. But to get yeah. back, to get back to Davis, um, I, it's hard to see a fit for him with the Giants right now, and I want to see him get a shot with a team where there's going to be that shot. Um, you know, where I think would be a great spot for him would be Texas. Yeah. I think that he would fit in great in that yard the way that they've got that. Um, I mean, even if it looks like a warehouse, it's still a nice place to hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but, you know, I, and I'll, I'll root for him when, if, he, if that sort of happens. But, yeah, it's hard to see a future for him here right now. Yeah, absolutely, guy. Uh, I, I kind of been pulling for it. And I, I know we've been on J&Ds for a few minutes now. But Rob, Rob and I do, and I obviously we heard you say it a couple minutes ago, he's at this point, he's the definition of a 4A guy. And we've been throwing that out a lot. Hey, you know, thrives at the AAA level and then gets up and can't seem to figure stuff out. So I think it's an important couple of weeks here since he had it to be added back anyway, had to be added back anyways. It's an important couple of weeks here um, to kind of evaluate and assess what we're going to see from Jalen Davis because this is, these upcoming weeks are his future with the Giants and maybe not just the Giants, but his baseball future because he's almost 27 now, I believe. He's kind of getting to that point in his career where it's like, hey, dude, we need you to produce now or this isn't going to work out. So definitely a big time upcoming for Jalen Davis. Um, The Say Hey podcast is sponsored by Manteca Bedquarters. Whether you're located in the Bay Area or the Central Valley, head out to Manteca and visit Manteca Bedquarters for great rates on mattresses from Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, and other top brands. Manteca Bedquarters also has bedroom furniture and bedding accessories. Located on the corner of Main and Yosemite in Manteca, visit MantecaBedquarters.com for more details. Interested in starting your own podcast? Then Anchor is the right platform for you. When it comes to creating a podcast and editing and producing, Anchor has all the necessary tools for you to have a top-notch product. Anchor also distributes to your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They even give you the opportunity to make money like we are right now just by having them as a sponsor. The best part? It's completely free to download and use. Download Anchor in the App Store or on Google Play and get your podcast started today. Just to continue uh, a little deadline talk, just because that's how I am. <laughs> um, how likely is it that San Francisco moves a top prospect this season in order to fully buy into 2021 at the major league level, or are they all in on keeping the core prospect pieces here? Oh, man. It, this is – I know it's very it, loaded. I'm sorry. It's a loaded question, and it's hard for me to say. I, I wish I had those sources inside the Giants brass. But, I mean, you got to look at this team and just say – the core of who's producing this year are all in their contract years and you're not giving Brandon Crawford another six year deal. You're not counting on him in shortstop long-term nor should he with Luciano in the wings. Yeah. Um, Buster has a team option. Then he's out Johnny Cueto. He's out soon. Longorio's a year away from being out. Um, this is a team that is still very much in a roster transition. And it's hard to call it a rebuilding because they're doing so great this year. But you can't ignore the fact that 
this team is going to be disassembled at least partially next season. And that's before you talk about like the Wilmer Floreses and the Donovan Solanos, and they're all on, you know, short contracts are all up this year. They can't really disassemble their, their farm system as it is right now. Do they have the depth to be able to trade away someone big? Yes, but you're not going to see them really dive deep into it and really disassemble everything. Bart, Ramos, Luciano, I expect them all to be safe. Beyond that, I can't say for anyone. I brought up Matos' name earlier. I, I could see the Giants trade him if they see someone who's going to be a long-term roster fit that they're trading for. It has to be, yeah. Will anyone actually be that guy that's on the trade market? That's the bigger question, and that's really what it's going to be. It's not going to be about who are the Giants willing to trade away. It's going to be more about who are other teams willing to trade away. Um, are we going to see some of the guys we really like go away? Yes, absolutely. And they're going to trade some of these guys away that some of us are really big fans of, and it's going to hurt. But, uh, you know, when you're first in – when you got the best record in baseball – at the start of July, they aren't messing around this season. This is yeah. not I – mean, may, maybe it's a fluke, but they're legitimate in this season. And they got to take a shot. Yeah, and, and two quick points to what you just said. Um, I'm a firm believer, and I think Rob is too. You fall in like with players, don't fall in love, because <laughs> at the end of the day, this is a business. and They're going to leave if you. You're gonna, if you're going <laughs> to better your organization by moving one of those pieces, then you got to do that. And we know that Farhan is not afraid to do anything, and I think it's absolutely helped this organization up to this point. I absolutely love what he's done. Um, and the second thing um, that you just said is, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I said on a podcast a couple episodes ago, you can be a fluke after 40, 50 games and, um, you know, you can get hot and be like, whoa, look at the Giants right here. But, you know, when you're a week and a half away for, or just over a week now from the All-Star break, and not only are you in first place with two other great National League uh, teams, including probably still the best team in baseball, the Dodgers, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but also, uh, you know, you have the best record in all of baseball right now. That's no fluke. Um, not, not at this point in the season. So good points by you there. All right, Kevin. I got a boring one. Uh, <laughs> prospect most likely to come up and have a big impact for the, for the big club down the stretch. Well, you sent me these questions in advance. Um, about 4 p.m. yesterday, I was on break from work. I was writing this up, and I said, how it could it not be Joey Bart? <laughs> <laughs> He's kicking tail in – in Sacramento, he's batting 344. He's got eight doubles. He's got eight home runs. I mean, he's drawing walks. Strikeouts are always going to be an issue for him, so I'm not going to harp too much on him, but he's putting up everything else he's supposed to in Sacramento. Oh, yeah, he's nailing base runners. His arm is not only strong, it's accurate. It's a cannon. Small crack. But um, we'll get there. We'll get <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how could it not be Joey Bart? And then at 7 p.m. we got our answer. Oh, I don't know if you guys heard this. Um, last night, first inning, he took a pitch off the ankle and had to come out of the game. We don't have any injury prospects on him at the moment. Uh, you know, it just happened last night. There's no way he's going to play tonight. 
even if it's just a bruise, a catcher's not going to be in the squat, uh, you know, within 24 hours getting hit on the ankle. Um, luckily, I don't think it sounds like it's anything too bad. I'm sure we're going to see the uh, big name, you know, beat reporters reporting on in the next couple of days uh, and let us know what the x-rays show and all that. I'm, I'm sure the Giants are going to let out some injury info on this one. Uh, but that's really kind of the big question. And the problem, of course, with Bart also is you got Posey, obviously. I mean, he's a he's an all-star starter. You're not replacing him. Gasoli can't hit, but he can catch, and he's obviously catching uh, great. He works well with the staff. That's the only thing with Bart coming up is you don't see a replacement room for him. You don't want to mess with the chemistry that's going on with the pitching staff and the lineup right now. But Bart would be the guy. And quite honestly, if I have to go like plan B, if it's not Bart, I don't have a top prospect they're going to pull that's going to have a huge impact. There are some pitchers that might have smaller impacts. If Camilo Duvall starts pulling it together in the second half, I could see him coming to the bullpen. Um, but yeah, other than that, most of the guys you're talking about are in double A or single A, and they're not going to make an impact on a World Series team right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you say that because I know, and I'm, I'm going to take a little jab at some Giants fans because – at the beginning of the season, and I'm pretty sure you already know where I'm going with this, a lot of people were crying for Elliot Ramos to make the roster out of camp. And I'm like, no. Like, he has, like, no experience even at in Richmond. So, just, I mean, very little. So, we got to see what he can do. And he got off to a really hot start, him for power, and then, it, of course, the cries for it grew. And people are like, this guy needs to be up, blah, blah, blah. And now he's hit a slump, and he's not getting out of it. And this is in double A, and, of course – um, and Rob and I speak of this a lot. Double A is kind of the pitching level in minor leagues where you're going to face the best pitching, not in the major leagues. Um, and he's struggling with that right now. His, his power's kind of toned down a little bit. I think he's hitting in the 240s. So, you know, it's, it, it's a great example of, yes, the whole, hopefully Joey Bart's okay. But, yeah, besides him, there's not really anybody that can come up right now and be like, okay, let's go. And it's thank God for this Tyro Estrada guy that Farhan brought in. <laughs> And is uh, just a piece that obviously I want to see more of him, but can be major league ready right now. But my my point of Elliot Ramos is like, uh, he hasn't even touched Sacramento yet and he's going through a struggle. And I am all for, I think it's big for prospects to do great, go through a struggle, make adjustments, get out of it. And then I can see you get promoted. I want to see guys struggle. And I guess that's, that's that's my point on Elliot Ramos, which we weren't even going to talk about him, but agreeing 100% with you that it's Bart or bust regarding prospects this season. Right, and you're absolutely right about Ramos. You're right about the need to go through struggles. It's one of the reasons why I got into some big fights on Twitter when the Giants started calling up Duvall and Santos to the major leagues. I'm just like, yeah. they're single A. What are you doing? And you know, they pitch like it. And no one should take that as like the level of prospects that they are either because they were just put in a position to fail and fail badly. Um, Ramos, you know, he's in a slump, but he's treading water. You know, he's not in like an 0 for 27. You know, his powers completely disappeared. He's swinging, missing everything. He's getting hits. He's, you know, just treading water. So, the pilot light is there waiting for the fire to ignite and he'll be back. And you're absolutely right. That's the kind of struggle he needed. And Ramos has gone through a couple of these cause he had that his first year in Augusta as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm excited for him. I definitely don't think it's a bad side, but you're right. 
You don't want to call some of these guys up too early. And yes, sometimes you're going to catch lightning in a bottle. That lightning is, his name is Sammy Long. But most of the time, you're not. True. Um, True. Now brace yourself, Kevin. (laughs) Now that your dark horse future prospect, Connor Cannon, is gone, and guys have been playing in games for a couple months now, uh, who is someone in the system that has sparked your interest as a potential plus to the Giants that wasn't before? Oh man, seeing Connor Cannon's name as the player to be named player later to in the be named. trade is was like, oh. oh I man. thought about you right um, away, buddy. Yeah, it, it's tough. And to be honest, it's been one of those years where the guys I would have normally named as dark horses are the guys that are definitely not any dark horse anymore, um, like uh, Genovas. Yeah. Uh, you know that was that was the guy who would have been that, and there, yeah, he's not in the dark at all right now. Uh, part of me really wants to say Simon Whiteman, who I know I've I've really crowed about before, and he got a, he was he started in high A, which is pretty crazy for the level draft pick he was. Uh, he got pushed really quickly up to double A. His batting average is crow poop right now, but he's getting steals. And he's doing it now at a level where they don't have rules put in place to help steals. That was the thing. Eugene, they had the rule, pitchers got to be completely off the rubber before they can throw a pickoff. So base stealers are able to get a couple extra steps. Double A, there's no such rule. And he was still stealing at a better rate than the top base stealers in double A. The problem was the walks haven't been there. He started to come around. He's had a lot of multi-game hits. On Friday, he had a clutch hit to tie the game in the first game of a doubleheader. In the second game, he hit his first double-A home run, which is pretty crazy. He doesn't really have any power to speak of. Yeah. He's still on my list, and he's going to be my Tyler Rogers because you're going to – my next Tyler Rogers because I crowed about Tyler Rogers for three years, and everyone was telling me, no, he's been exposed in the Rule 5 draft. No one's taking him. No one values this guy. He, no one sees him as a major league prospect. I'm like, just give him a chance, and they did, and – here we are. So he's my next Tyler Rogers. But let me give you a couple other names. First of all, um, yeah, you got to talk about the guys we really haven't seen yet in the Complex League, new name for the Arizona League. Uh, Arizona Complex League. Uh, I really like Rainer Santana. Yes, another catcher. And Another uh, great name. Another great name. <laughs> uh, Averson Ortega. I think I may be getting his name wrong. I haven't heard it actually pronounced out loud. Uh, he was a shortstop we picked up in the international uh, market 2019. He's just making his debut. Those are a couple names I want to watch. Manuel Mercedes is down there as well. Um, there's Caleb Killian, who's very hard to say as a dark horse because he got off to a hot start as a pitcher in the system. He's got 2.09 ERA with 66 strikeouts, five walks across uh, 56 innings across uh, both high A and double A. He's really emerged. I don't know if you can call him a dark horse right now. Uh, so here's the name that I was going to come back to. I kind of foreshadowed this guy earlier. Uh, Tyler Fitzgerald. Now, this is an infielder who really didn't get a lot of attention. He's playing in Eugene. Again, he's playing with a lot of high-profile guys or three first-round picks when he started there. He's outlasted a couple of them by way of injury and send-down. Um, he's batting only two fifty nine, but he's got seven home runs. But he's playing all over the infield. And he's also, uh, Des Pelfrey mentioned this in his interview with Roger Munter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's someone that Fitzgerald can be put in the leadoff spot. He can be put in the middle of the order. He can be put in the back of the order. And he's really producing runs at 
any spot where they put him. And he's got that versatility that um, you know Gabe Kapler is absolutely going to love and absolutely wants to have on his roster. That being said, I'd put him in that trade market talk as well because he's really had that sort of an emergence of a season and the Giants do have that depth in the infield. Otherwise, keep an eye on him. He's got real Matt Duffy vibes to him and Mm. I would not be surprised to see him uh, be one of those guys that just kind of comes out of nowhere, never gets to the top ranking, but just is an effective player for a long time. And I'm, I'm looking at – because I have seen Tyler Fitzgerald's name uh, float around some stuff whenever we're doing a, our little recap in Giants chatter as well. Um, but it shows he's got seven stolen bags on the year. I didn't know that. So he is a, uh, you know, decent threat on the bags uh, as well, So which is nice because I feel like the Giants uh, lack a decent amount of uh, speed in this organization, at least like known speed. So if they can get some guys that can run some bases, that would be a huge plus. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously that's one of the things I love about Whiteman. I really think speed is your next explosion in baseball and everything is going to be. The rule changes are going to favor it. Whiteman's obviously that sort of thing, but it's also going to come down on the catchers. And that's why I love Joey Bart as a catcher because of that cannon arm that he has. Um, Because that's going to be another thing that all this rule changes are going to make. They're going to redefine the catching position. But you've also got some great speed in some other guys. Like I mentioned, Canario's you know, how many steals did I say he had? He had he 12 stolen bases. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he can run for a big guy. And you got Matos, who's really showing off the speed this year. I think he's got uh, something like 13 or 14 steals. Um, you know, they've got some speed. They've got some quiet speed. And we still haven't seen Grant McRae yet this season. And, sure. uh, you know, he's been dealing with some back issues. Yeah. But if he's healthy, he's a very athletic guy as well. And he could bring some speed to those outfield positions as well. Uh, and before we move on to the next question, um, you brought up Caleb Killing, and I happen to be kind of following him. And I want to thank Roger Mantra on this because I listened <laughs> to him when he had him on the There Are Giants podcast, and he was a fantastic interview, great to listen to. And he really went into the depths about um, kind of training and fighting through and working on getting better through last year during the pandemic. And then he's really come on this year in Richmond. He's got what six starts, um, his ERAs in the mid twos. Uh, a guy that uh, said he's really working on uh, his strikeout stuff, and that's approaching it's approaching nine uh, Ks per nine right now. But he has definitely entered kind of like the not a huge name yet um, starting pitching type for me um, in this Giants organization. And I am very excited to continue to watch Caleb Killian. So I'm glad you brought him up. That kind of gives me some assurance. <laughs> yeah, the pitching this year has been a weird mix of who are these guys and what happened to the guys we were thinking of whether it be injury or some struggles. You know, the one other guy, I'm just going to throw the name out there, and I don't want to get too far into it. Uh, Carson Ragsdale was a hell of a trade by Zaidi. And, you know, I, yes. I, I, I will hate on Zaidi on some things. Um, man, Coonrod for Ragsdale, F, yes. Another that was a heck job. of a trade. He is um, leading the Low A West, rest in peace, California League. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's leading Lowe West in strikeouts right now, and it's by a large margin. And, of course, who's behind him second in Lowe West? Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison. Yeah, and, uh, man, San Jose's just got arms. Because Rob and I really love uh, love Murphy as well. I could, we got to go see him in person. His curveball has the potential to be a really great put-out pitch. Um, so he's been fun to watch as well. But uh, I'm going to take over for Rob here. Rob had, to, had an emergency, had to leave. But uh, – 
you know, we can't get through an entire episode uh, regarding prospects without talking about our number one guy, Marco Luciano. Uh, he's been on a tear lately, showing off his power and extra base hit ability. How much longer until he reaches high A, Eugene, you think? It's going to be a little while. Um, okay. I think that Luciano is a guy that they want to be patient with. They don't want to rush too much, not the way they've done other guys. And Luciano's not having a perfect season. His 273 batting average, it's a touch low for what you want to see at San Jose. Uh, he's got a strikeout rate of just a little over 20%, which is also a tad high for what you want. And he's getting his walks. So it's not like he's a real strikeout kind of horror show like his teammate Canario. Uh, he's got a league leading 13 home runs, so you can't really complain too much. The power is showing off. So I just, I, I think they want to see him have a little bit more of a well-rounded breakout, kind of like what Genova's had when uh, he kind of really forced his call up uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I think you're going to see him on that list. I, I would not see him in Eugene before August, but you will see him in Eugene at some point this year. And uh, that August is yeah, not as bad as it used to be because we also have most of September for the minor leagues this year because they pushed the season back. So you probably still get about two months of him playing on that artificial turf. Hopefully it won't be as hot. Uh, up there as it was last week and uh, you know really see what he can do against that higher competition yeah and we have to remember he's 19 I mean he's still a kid and so but uh, he's he's been a pleasure to watch yeah if he can round out those numbers and like I mentioned a couple minutes ago um, I know it kind of was a slow start for him but he's kind of been really consistent like these last five or six weeks displaying the power and stuff Um, but I, I don't know if you agree with this. Do you, do you think they maybe want to see him go through another struggle at the low A level in San Jose before they consider maybe moving him up to Eugene? Hmm. That, that is an interesting question. And if you're going to struggle anywhere, it should be San Jose because you're pretty close to the help of most of your coaches. Not True. that they aren't up in uh, high A. You know, when I was there, Will Clark was there helping out the guys. I posted a picture of him on Twitter, and it got, it got me a lot of new followers. I'm going to have to start <laughs> stalking some of these players for pictures now. Um, but, you know, sounds like it'd be the right place to do it. But the reality is, is there are plenty of places to struggle in this baseball world. I don't think they're worried about it happening at this level um, to make that move. I think they're just waiting for a little bit more of a breakout before it happens. Makes sense. Yeah, definitely excited about his progress, but uh, still a ways to go. Um, kind of a lighthearted question to wrap things up here. And obviously, you just mentioned you were in Eugene. I wanted to ask you, you know, have you been able to get out to some games to see some Giants prospects this season since we've been able to go to games again? So, Oh, man, it is so nice to be back out of baseball stadiums, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but the answer is obviously yes. Uh, I haven't been able to get out to as much as I would love to because I do work a full-time job that's not at all baseball related. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've gotten to San Jose. I've gotten up to Sacramento. I drove up for Eugene last week. And by the way, I'm just going to interrupt this because I had an ulterior move to be in Eugene and I need to brag about my friend. I was up there last week because she was participating in the U.S. Olympic track and field. Ah. And my friend Robin Stevens has made the U.S. Olympic team for race walking. A first-time awesome. Olympian at 38, and I am so proud of her. Robin, you are awesome. Uh, Nick Christie, her boyfriend, and also the winner of the national ch- uh, championship on the male side for race walking. Still waiting to get his name officially called for the Olympics. Hopefully he goes as well. 
Uh, so I just got to give a shout out to those two. But Absolutely. While I was up good there, job. Yeah. yeah. While I was up there in Eugene, I did get to see the Emeralds play a few games. That was very nice. Uh, they've got a very interesting ballpark up there and a very friendly front office staff. They were absolutely wonderful to be with. I'm going to have some things on my website about PK Park. Hopefully in this next week, I'm doing a scouting report on the stadium. Oh, cool. Because they are in a situation where they need to move in five years for various reasons. Uh, and most of it has to do with the University of Oregon. So if you hate them, don't worry. They're the villains in this story. Mm. Um, but uh you know, I've gotten out to see these games. It's great to see these players in person. It's great to be back with my camera taking photos. Um, and there's so much you can see being in person that you don't get in the stat lines, whether it's looking at Kaiwei Tang and realizing, oh, that, that curveball's a knuckle curve. That's what he's throwing, and that's why it's getting the strikeouts. Or you look at that forkball that Connor Nurse has, which is absolutely fantastic. Or when I'm in Sacramento, I'm like, boy, this Tyro Estrada guy is really consistent with the bat. And I can't believe we're not talking about him more. Um, you know, those are the types of moments you get only by being out at the ballpark. And a lot of these stadiums are really happy to get fans back in them. A lot of the players are so happy to be playing in front of anyone at this point. Uh, I know that if you're listening out there, if you've been to a minor league baseball game, go back. It's a different experience this year. If you've never been to a minor league baseball game, do it. It's, it's inexpensive. If you're a listener around California, you've got a team somewhere near you, most likely. It's a fantastic timeout. And seeing these guys when they're young, I mean, this, this is the type of baseball that we used to fantasize about, you know, for guys like me, they're old in the eighties and seventies. It doesn't really exist at the major league level anymore, but it still exists in the minors. And it's so much fun to be at. It's so energizing to be at with friends, with family, and watch these guys just playing really for the love of the game because you know they're not getting paid enough. And it's, it's a great timeout. So go see them. You'll probably see me at the park. I agree. I've been to um, non-Giants related, but I've been a couple times to Reno uh, to watch the Aces play. Um, I was there uh, last month to see them take on Salt Lake caught I, I kid you not on this number i had four balls that i that i got in that game love hanging out on the right uh right field lawn out there but i went to sacramento a couple weeks ago for the home opener when they were fully back open um got to see uh, joey bart play obviously estrada um so that was a lot of fun and then like rob said earlier we were able to go to a game in stockton actually san jose's there for the final time of the season right now but man got to go see that loaded san jose lineup so it's been fun, and you're right. Uh, there's something different about uh, going to a minor league ballpark with, you know, just a couple thousand people uh, compared to a full, you know, 41,000 at Oracle Park. Because um, I have been to three San Francisco games this season as well. But th th the vibe at minor league parks is so awesome. I mean, it's, it's kind of quiet. You can hear guys talk on the field. Uh, and then, you know, you're right there, and it's like, these are the guys that are, and especially if you know, you know, you do your research, your homework. Some of these guys are going to be the stars of tomorrow, and it's awesome. Especially like getting to see a Luciano play in person. Um, Canario went yard when we were there. Matos went yard when we were there. It was awesome. So, no experience like a minor league game for sure. Well, Canario loves Stockton. He's going to hate the fact that um, he's not going to be able to be there anymore because I believe if I'm got my numbers right six of his eight home runs have happened at banner island ballpark this season <laughs> oh, wow. 
Um, I didn't realize that. Like, until he hit two in a game uh, like a week ago at San Jose, all of his home runs were in one single road park, um, which also tells you how small the California League is this season, that they play each other that often. That's going to happen. But, yeah, and if you love ballparks, the minor leagues are the place to go. Banner Island Ballpark in Stockton is a very nice yard. Yes. With the arena just over the left field wall. I've heard a lot of good things about Reno. It's on my list to make. Las Vegas has a beautiful new park down there as well. Um, I don't think you're going to see the River Cats down there again this season, but it's worth doing. But yeah, if you just like ballparks, you know, forget the teams. You just want to go to these cathedrals that we build to this sport that are so much more unique than the sports stadiums for any other sport. It's true. There's so many beautiful ones to visit in the minor leagues, whether you want to go to Durham or Charlotte on the East Coast, or you want to go down south and check out the beautiful parks in Florida that are used for spring training, or, you know, wherever you want to go. I mean, there's there's going to be something interesting, unless it's like Wyoming or Montana, because baseball <laughs> hates, Major League Baseball hates those states and got rid of their leagues. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I endorse this love of minor league baseball very much. Go out Support these teams, support the players, be a fan. It'll really reconnect you with what you love about baseball. Absolutely agree. Uh, if you have not visited giantfutures.com yet, make sure you do. Um, and also follow Kevin's account on Twitter at Giant Futures. Kevin, thanks for coming on. We're gonna, we got to have you on one more time before the end of the minor league season, you know, in, in August or September. And um, then we can really check in on like a full year, full season's assessment of our players. So thanks for coming on and uh, hope you have a great weekend. Thank you very much. I look forward to coming back. It's a lot of fun talking with you guys. Have a great summer yourselves. When the Giants come to town, it's bye-bye, baby. Every time the chips are For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.